0: Hello and welcome to Wallflowers in Bloom,
1: a podcast where we share the joys and challenges of being introverts. I'm Jenny. And I'm Eric.
0: Each episode we share with you stories and antidotes that touch on how we prosper and thrive in a world dominated by extroverts.
1: We also have guest speakers who share their experience and expertise on this topic and read letters from our fellow wallflower listeners on how they cope and conquer.
0: So grab your favorite beverage, settle in, and relax with us.
1: Music is by Nate Johnson. Hello and welcome to Wallflowers in Bloom. Good morning, Jenny.
0: Good morning, Eric. How are you? I'm good. We have a guest here.
1: Yes, we have our guest today from Iceland, either Loa. Can we hear it in the correct way in Icelandic?
2: It's Eyder Loa.
1: Oh, it sounds so much better when you say it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It does sound much better. <laughs> Welcome. It's so good to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's a pleasure.
1: And just to give a quick shout out to Martin Cox. He was our guest a few episodes ago who has a artist residency in Iceland, and he forwarded me an article which announced your upcoming exhibit. So thank you, Martin. And thank you again for joining us. Before we begin, I want to congratulate you on your upcoming solo show at the Reykjavik Art Museum. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, Reykjavik. And when is that? It's opening in, I think, 10 days. So uh, life is hectic for me these days, Mm -hmm. but I'm really excited about it. Is there anywhere online where we can find your work? Yeah, I have a website and uh, I use Instagram a lot, so you can follow me there.
0: And we'll put all her links on the description if anybody wants to check out your work. And this is your first solo exhibition?
2: Yeah, it's this great program where one of their galleries is designated for uh, emerging artists. And I was very lucky to be picked out to exhibit there. Initially, the exhibition was supposed to open last year, but it's been postponed, I think, twice. So really excited to get the works
0: out there. That's going to be really awesome.
1: It's good to hear, especially during this time that we're in, that artists are able to get their work out there and display it. Of course, health is first, but the art is important too.
0: (laughs) Art is important for the soul. It is.
1: (laughs) Oh my God, yeah. Definitely.
0: So we usually start off with a little bit of a mental health check-in and we'll have Eric go first and it's just to like promote self mental health and just checking in with ourselves. How are you doing Eric?
1: I'm pretty good. I would say maybe a week, a week and a half here in Stockholm. It was warmer. It was like in the 40s, upper 30s and it was really nice. And then this morning I got up and I walked to the store. I'm starting to exercise more. It's like a 15-20 minute walk so I'm like might as well just walk. But in the last couple hours it has been snowing. Oh and it has not snowed for, I think, probably two weeks and like so much so that all the snow melted away and the sun was shining. It was really nice. And, you know, this is still relatively new for me, like seeing full changes of season. But, yeah, with the window open and looking out around lunchtime, I'm like, oh, my God, it's snowing. <laughs> but my weekend review has been pretty good. Um mainly emotionally. Uh, we talk about that sometimes. It's like one of the things I love about doing this podcast with Jenny is you talk about the importance of mental health. And so I will say mm-hmm. that it's been a pretty good week for me. And just in, you know, researching for you, um, either. and I won't give away because we're going to ask you later about an icon that you expressed an interest in, during my lunch today, just sitting in front of the computer, a person that I never really thought about is somebody that I don't think I'm obsessed with her, but she's definitely an inspiration for me is Tina Turner. I've seen interviews of hers from the 90s and as recent as I think last year, but I just needed to watch her today to feel inspired because her story is one of triumph over a lot of tragedy You know, she was married to her ex-husband and they were famous together. And then, of course, it came out later that their marriage was not ideal. But as a solo artist, and especially for a woman at the time in the early mid 80s, in her 40s, she not even reinvented herself, she exploded as a solo artist and became even more famous by herself. And so she's just inspiration to me that you're never too... Old is not the right word, but it's never too late to pursue and to go after what you really believe in. Yeah, I reached out to someone that it was suggested that I reach out to who could help me with the new idea that I have. I challenged myself to send off the email right before this call. So I did do that. So I was very proud of myself.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. So that's been my weekend review. Um how about you, (laughs) Ada?
2: My week has been pretty good. I love that you guys talk about the weather as if it's like an emotion because Icelandic people love talking about the weather. Oh. And the weather has actually been really good these last few days. (laughs) So that kind of always puts like a like you can't not be a little bit more happy when the sun is
0: out and Uh, the snows away
1: and Mm, yes
0: a nice warm day can just affects your mood and your emotion and the way you perceive things and you mentioned it's been a little hectic for you because of the exhibition and all that can you tell me some of the emotions that run through while preparing for this solo exhibition that is just so exciting
2: yeah, it's kind of a mix of being really excited and then really nervous and then really excited again and then so nervous. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: and at one moment I'm like, oh, I I want to make 10 more sculptures for the exhibition. And then I go and start that and then like the next minute I'm like, oh my God, I can't finish this. It's too much. <laughs> So yeah, it's been like that for
0: a couple of weeks now, and I feel like I'm in a good place now. That's awesome. So I guess like it's the beginning, the start of it, and getting prepping is the most nerve wracking, I'm assuming, and getting closer, is just kind of like I put everything out there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's like releasing your baby.
0: Releasing it out into the world.
1: Oh, that's exciting. Now that I know your work, I'm definitely going to be following you.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's so exciting to see another woman thriving in the art world.
1: (laughs) How was your weekend review, Jenny?
0: I'm actually not in California right now. I'm in Virginia. And it was really a last minute thing. You know, with everything that's gone on in my life and all the changes that have happened, I literally called my aunt on Tuesday and I was like, I need to get away. They have a cabin out here. And so I was like, can I just use your cabin? I just need to get out of the city away from everybody and she's like yeah sure so I literally booked my flight that Tuesday I was on the plane on Saturday and I got here Saturday night I've been here for almost five days Hmm. honestly I feel a lot better now than I did while I was in LA I've been going through a lot of emotions more grieving than anything my sister passed away in January so I've been kind of going through that whole grieving process after the funeral, I was just kind of like, I need to go. I need to get out and I need to do something different that's not here. So that's what I'm doing. And it's been so nice. The weather has been beautiful. So we've just kind of been sitting out. There's a lake and we walked down to the docks. It was like laying at the beach. <laughs> it was just nice. You know, we've gone on walks on the trails and my daughter's picking up little acorns and making fairy houses. So it's just been a nice, change of pace and a nice getaway. That sounds lovely. Nice.
1: It's good that you gave yourself permission to do that.
0: Yeah. Right now she's doing virtual school. So I'm like, I'm not going to get the chance to do this again. And I'm going to be here for two weeks. So this is the time to do it. If at any time. it was kind of a spontaneous trip, but also very much needed for my own emotional and mental health. And then speaking of art my aunt has a little like art nook kind of, and she's painting paints and stuff. And so I've been doing some painting out here. When you were talking about obsessing and saying, I'm going to create 10 pieces, I came out here, I'm like, I'm just gonna like, do a bunch of different, you know, canvases. And, And, and I obsessed over one canvas. And I think I was out here until like, One in the morning and my aunt came out. She's like, are you coming to bed? I was like, how long has it been? It felt like I've only been out there for 10 minutes. My thoughts of creating a bunch of canvases just kind of went out the door. A little frustrating for my controlling nature.
1: Do you find either as an artist, just what Jenny was saying, that you have to surrender to what the art wants?
0: Yeah,
2: I think you have to do that. And you have to like embrace what the material wants from you as well like have a conversation with the medium I think that's very interesting
0: I never thought of it that way I'm so busy trying to control it (laughs) to do what I want it to do and then realizing like I can't I just have to let it be and let it do its own thing and become its own creation yeah my aunt's like did you have fun I was like yeah I did and she's like okay so it doesn't matter then If you had fun and you enjoyed it, then it's a beautiful painting because you enjoyed creating it. That was an interesting perspective that she threw in there for me. Mm
2: -hmm. I think that's definitely very valid. And just doing something is always valuable, even though like you throw the painting away. It's not useless, you know. It's also kind of freeing to think about making art in that way trial and error. I'm just going to try this and see if it works out. And if I hate it, I'm going to
0: just check it. That's kind of how I work within my practice. Do you identify yourself as an introvert or an extrovert?
2: I would identify as an introvert, but I also have kind of a complicated relationship with that question because I spent most of my time alone and... I am not lonely. So that's how I would kind of define this term introvert. You know, (laughs) it's not that I don't like other people. I enjoy like hanging out with friends or whatever and going to gallery openings and stuff like that. And I think as I've gotten older, I've probably gotten better at connecting with other people and kind of uh, functioning. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, human interaction sometimes doesn't come naturally. We can relate.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) But I like the way you said a complicated relationship because I know even when Jenny came up with the idea for the podcast, I was like, I'm not going to admit that publicly. No. (laughs) Why would I do that?
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. So going back to the introvert question, I really liked what you said of you're an introvert, but you're not lonely. And I really love that because I feel the same way. I'm an introvert, but I don't feel lonely and I'm okay being alone if I'm in my own space.
1: And and that's one thing I've learned. I mean, I knew that, but in doing this podcast and interviewing guests like you, it's like, I have my friends and I've never been anybody that wanted to go move into the middle of nowhere and never see people. It's just, I have my levels and my limits. I'm most comfortable, it's true, in smaller settings.
0: (laughs) Were you also more introverted as a child? Uh, Yes, somewhat.
2: I was always the kind of kid who would just stay in the corner and be drawing all day. And I'm very fortunate in that I had something that interested me a lot. So it didn't matter so much what the other kids were doing.
1: So would you say for yourself that you always knew you were an artist?
2: That kind of sounds like megalomanic or something.
1: Ah, uh, that's true.
2: <laughs> I don't think I ever like seriously thought I would be something else. And I actually just had this discussion with my mother yesterday, because she was talking about some pianist who just said in this interview that he always imagined that he would be a pianist, like concert pianist, like from when he was seven years old. And it sounds crazy, but sometimes you just know. Mm -hmm. And I think the only other times that I thought about like some other career that was probably more practical rather than what I wanted, maybe learning something that you could get a job
0: doing, I think a lot of people end up going that route. Sometimes society encourages you more to do that. Yeah. I also
2: think that society kind of promotes this idea of like there being a proper way to live and be and work and you have to make money and you have to do this and that. But where would we even be if everybody just went to school and studied law a lot of people would probably be really unhappy because they were doing something they didn't even want to do with studying art, for example, because a lot of people ask you when you go into like studying art like what is that for but I would say like studying anything feeds into everything that you do, so whether it's art or something else it's been learning something is always good and doing something you like is also good and uh, creative problem solving is not less important than something else so yeah
1: I like the way you put that as far as you know allowing yourself to say that this is my path of being an artist because yeah many of us myself included it's not a, a wrong thing but it's that thing of fighting against the pressures of society saying that you can't be an artist and support yourself. My first thought was that's very mature, but that is not even not the right word for it. It's just it's the truth.
0: <laughs> I remember when I was thinking of applying to art school, somebody was like, "Well, do they have business classes?" Oh my god, I'm going to tell you guys a story.
2: Once I was sent by the Artist Association had this program where they were sending artists to do like lectures in schools. Lectures for children, actually. And I was sent to the school to talk to kids who were maybe like 13, 14 years old. And I was in there, like prepping for it. I was thinking, how do you talk to 14 year old children, for starters? And most of my work is quite humorous. But I thought that teenagers, if you try to be too funny to them, they won't respect you. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Especially that age.
2: So I just decided to take my work super seriously and just describe it to them and what I do and mm-hmm. my studio practice and stuff like that. And they did not crack a smile the whole time, even though I was showing them such funny sculptures Wow! that I thought... But then they wanted to do like a Q&A with me. And the kids all asked me, like, how do you make a living being an artist? And you said you got a grant. How much money was that? Stuff like that. And they were 14 years old. And I was so amazed.
0: That is the most common question. Like, I remember when I was applying to art school, it was like, how are you going to make a living? And honestly, that is what prevented me from going. But it's like Eric said, it's never too late. Uh, My daughter, she loves to draw. And she said, I want to be an art teacher when I grow up. And I said, oh, that's great. You know, you can be an art teacher. You know, you can do whatever you want.
1: Was that kind of in your household, the support to pursue your passion as an artist?
0: Yeah,
2: my parents definitely have always been very supportive. And I'm lucky in that. Yeah, that's awesome. They've let me use their garage as a studio these last few years. which has been really great.
1: The article that Martin forwarded to me focused on your miniature sculptures. And you mentioned humor because I saw that in there. But how did you get into miniature sculptures?
2: Well, this is kind of maybe a long answer. Because I was in the Iceland University of the Arts, I started out initially working on big pieces. Thinking like that was the way to go, but somehow I just really lost interest in that. It just somehow wasn't working. And I love this like very apt phrasing, like miniature sculpture, because it tells us a lot about uh, what we think about when we think about sculpture and when we think about art in general. Because there's this notion that we have about art that's like based on the history, that uh, like big art is important art somehow. And so art often has this like stigma that it's like inaccessible and people can be kind of afraid of it. And I think size plays into that like a little bit. And it can be very daunting to walk into a space with these big works. And they feel so important and they feel so important that you feel like you will never understand them as a spectator and that you're somehow unwelcome in the space. And I also find these ideas that we have about art and about artists, these ideas are kind of masculine. We kind of connect these famous big man artists making these big sculptures or big paintings like Monet or, you know, these big guys like Picasso, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in doing art that fits in with this, like, outdated narrative of art. And I want to make art from my own perspective. and
0: I want there to be a new narrative. Bigger isn't always better. Exactly. I can completely relate to how sometimes you walk into an art gallery and you have these huge pieces. Sometimes it's just a lot to take in that you don't even know where to start or how to look at it. Sometimes maybe being
2: overwhelmed is like a valid emotion to feel when you're coming and seeing a work.
1: I never thought of it that way, how you put it too with the size and then... um... And uh, what is the term these days? I don't want really to say toxic masculinity, but the hyper-masculine stamp that is put on a lot of art.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's also like art history has been taught to us in a certain way. And we kind of have this idea of what art is through this like very narrow, it's called like the canon history, that's only like a very limited view because... Uh, all we hear, read and consume is mostly from the viewpoint of like a really homogenous group of white, straight, cis men. It's a problem because there hasn't been a lot of room for alternative narratives. And I think this uh, toxic idea of what art is has kind of taken over and and we have to like constantly ask ourselves who is it that gets the opportunity to be a practicing artist and make art who gets represented but also how we make art and how we perceive it is also a really fundamental question in this dialogue because a lot of the time when women make art like historically it's been called craft because it's a woman making it So I'm very interested in this dialogue, and I really like craft. So (laughs) I like to use materials that are kind of in a dialogue with this craft. Like I use papier-mâché a
0: lot.
1: Is that what your sculptures are made from? Because I wasn't sure if it was that. Oh, it is. I wasn't sure if it was clay or, okay.
0: Like you said, what we do is, it's craft. It's, oh, it's a little hobby. Oh, she likes to do this. And there's not a lot of value given to it, but it's like we put as much work and as much emotion and feeling and we're as passionate as men
1: what's your inspiration there's one that looks like it's aerobics and then on your website i saw ones with the dogs and the chairs
2: some years ago i was exposed to ceramics from pottery in england called the staffordshire pottery they made these mass-produced small statues that depict scenes from Their current events, like in Victorian times. So they would mass produce these little statues of dogs, boxers, or royalty, or whatever. And I've been very interested in those statues and like this form of a statue. Especially these statues, because of what they depicted and the question of why, and their scale, and uh, also the market that they were produced for because they were mass produced so they were pieces that a new like british middle class could afford to buy and these were objects that uh, people would have in their home so they're kind of like friendly objects you connect with them like in a more casual way than you would with big sculptures in a big gallery mm-hmm. and they're also quite weird looking which is always a bonus for me <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I get a lot of inspiration from that. And from popular culture, I source my images and my subject matter a lot from the internet, like Instagram and Google and reading books and stuff like that. I'm very interested in aerobics <laughs> as a phenomenon. And the costumes, oh my god.
1: For me, kind of hammers home the importance of art in whatever form it is, is that it is history, that time period. And something I don't think I always think about when I go to a gallery, that this is the moment in time that this artist is representing. And, you know, what you're doing also, artists give us our history.
2: (laughs) That's what's so great about it, I think. But also, we have to think a lot about what we're doing.
1: Yeah, because you don't want to do something where future generations discover and they go, oh, these people were horrible.
2: And I mean, we have some artists from art history that are really problematic. Like, for instance, one of the big galleries, I think it was in MoMA or somewhere, they were going to put up like a big retrospective of Philip Guston, who did like funny paintings, but he also appropriated. Like a lot of his paintings are really problematic. Then after the Black Lives Matter Campaign. They decided to take three years and to rethink how they were gonna present the paintings because, of course, they are part of history, but they are, should not be presented in like
0: idealistic way. They don't want to idolize it. Yes. So artists have had
2: some really bad things to say, also historically. So we should always be evaluating and reevaluating what we're showing.
1: Well, I think that's the challenge that we have today with pop culture is how to separate the art from the artist. And there was something I saw recently, a guy was talking about Roseanne Barr and her show. Of course, we know her reboot got canceled, but this guy was talking about her work in the 90s and how do you separate but he did it in a way that I liked kind of what you say. either hey, you know they're three-dimensional people with that show in particular it's a show with writers and producers it wasn't just her it was an entire team of people and that was the way he was able to reconcile how we can honor the art and not dismiss what these people do but their art is always going to be there
0: exactly
2: and the art is always a product of a time
1: You mentioned in the article that we read that during this pandemic, as an introvert, it hasn't been a challenge for you. And we've heard that from quite a few introverts. How do you feel that you've been able to continue to thrive throughout this tough time for all of us, but in particular as an introvert?
2: Well, in a very selfish way, it's been a really good time for just spending time in the studio and not have to do anything else, really. So it's a lot of just free time to kind of speculate. And I really just enjoy my work a whole lot. And I spend most of my time in the studio just listening to music or like a lot of podcasts. And I source my subject material so much from the internet. And this has been a very lively time for internet. It's been really good. A lot of my work revolves around internet culture and like weird internet cats and dogs that are stuck in chairs and stuff that people post online. I really like to think about the internet and like what people probably thought the internet would do. Like this would be this great source of information and it would be so democratic and be so uh, useful. But then people are mainly using it for cat videos. Yeah.
1: Well, it's good that you're documenting this because, yeah, like when social media really got going with Facebook, like when you get those memories like, oh, ten 10 years ago, and I'm like, delete. I can't <laughs> yes. believe I posted that. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I've actually gotten a bit more personal. Like doing this show, I've been actually making sculptures from people's Instagrams, like people I know an invasion of privacy really
1: they put it up on a public platform so
0: there's no such thing there's something about an obsession with princess diana or interest oh yes yes
2: <laughs> obsession maybe
0: <laughs> oh, it's complicated so how did you get into princess
1: diana
2: well it's quite a long story Princess Diana has been with me since, like, 2016, I think. Then I was in a residency in Ireland, and I was thinking about doing a work that revolved around the Roman goddess Diana. Oh. The Roman goddess Diana, there's this lovely story of her bathing with her friends in, like, a lake.
1: Um, Oh, I've seen that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And there's some beautiful imagery uh, that's available of this scene. There's like this lake full of beautiful naked women. And there's a hunter that comes upon them and sees Diana naked. And that's, of course, forbidden because female nudity is not good. And so what Diana does is she puts a curse on him. So he becomes a stag and his hunting dogs like hunt him down and kill him. So it's very brutal, but also very soft with this image of these like, naked women in a lake. And they're like big contrasts in the narratives. So, uh, so I was really interested in this scene and did do a sculpture that like depicts this scene. But I was sourcing material from like art history and there are a lot of paintings uh, that have been done of mm-hmm. the, this scene. And what I googled initially was Diana Bathing. And, like, 50% of the image searches turned out to be Princess Diana in a bathing suit. Uh, (laughs) yeah. And I was just so interested in that. And, like, the dialogue between Princess Diana and this Roman goddess. But then I also just... Started looking at her and her life, and oh my god, she's another really problematic character from history. But there's something intoxicating about her and her like image and her persona, and yeah, she's like an anti hero. But also, yeah, I don't know, I always have like these really conflicting ideas about her. But what I ended up doing is because I started googling her and found out that 2017 would be 20 years since she died. Oh, yeah. So then I ended up curating a group show of visual art that was all about Princess Diana, kind of celebrating her. That's going to be in your current show as well? Uh, No, probably not. It's an old work. Oh, okay. It was a really fun show, and I think 14 artists contributed. (laughs) Uh, It was a lot of fun.
1: For me, personally, I never really... Cared is the right word, but she made people fascinated by the British royal family. You know, I think because she was so contemporary in an institution that even though they were in current times, they felt like another era. Finding out more about her after losing her, as you said, she was a person, she was a human. But she was one of those, before we knew about social media, she seemed like she knew how to work the media.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And she yeah. knew about image and visual language. She used it so well, I think. And she's a fellow introvert. Ah!
1: I can see that, yeah. I was watching The Crown on Netflix, and I know that's a dramatization. Yeah. But just thinking of how I remember her portrayed before they got married, she was really shy, and and I know me as a person, I couldn't imagine going from nobody notices of me to all of a sudden having all these cameras. I think that would be the only way I could deal with it is to say, okay, I'm just gonna
0: yeah
1: figure out how to make this work for me.
0: <laughs> gotta work the cameras.
1: Yeah. One of the things too of learning more about introversion and creating a perception of it that's not about us being hermits, but uh, just being more introspective people, is that a lot of artists are introverts. A lot of actors, a lot of painters, sculptors, singers. I feel like I understand singers more and why you can put that all out there as a public performance and afterwards it's like I can't see anybody for however long I need to be alone to recuperate.
0: We need to recharge our batteries.
1: Yeah, yeah. And all art, I think, is emotional from the artist's standpoint.
0: Of course. Any helpful tips for extroverts to cope in this pandemic?
2: I found it really interesting to see extroverts try to convert to working from home. Oh, yeah. Since I work from home and my partner does as well. So we've kind of been having this discussion on and off like for years about what's the best way to like structure your time how do you want to structure a day it's very important to go outside at some point and take a walk to not just be in the same space the whole day should you have one table that you eat at and another that you work at Or is it okay to mix life and work? Yeah. These questions we've been kind of dealing with, like living in a small apartment and both working there also. So it's been really interesting to see uh, other people join this dialogue. and trying to cope with being alone the whole day and like what do
0: i do and i can't go to the movies and stuff like that so yeah. it's funny because when i started working from home i was happy i was excited i was like it's perfect for me i i need that background noise i need a background conversation okay i enjoy music but not so much <laughs> At home, I was able to turn on the TV and have that background conversation I needed while I worked. And that made it better. And um, I was just really excited to be home and not out. It really worked out for me. One of my dads is an extrovert. I was like, you need to go take a walk because you're driving me crazy. Um, He found his love for the phone and FaceTiming. I remember the moment he would wake up, I could hear him on the phone talking to somebody and it would be just hours of him and he'd just walk in circles around the backyard talking to somebody on the phone. I was like, as long as it's not me you're talking to, I'm good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I actually come from a corporate background that fell into it. I did discover graphic design. But with timing, with being here and mainly in Sweden, and then I'm looking for work here, but been able to be fortunate to do things like this podcast and other creative interests, similar to you, this pandemic, I'm like, oh, I'm great. I have learned that I do need to get out, you know, and I've learned that I can't stand more than like a day or maybe a couple days, and then I get a little nutty. But for myself, it's not been a problem. I have liked that what, other people are learning is that, you know, just because we're quiet doesn't mean we're not active.
0: Exactly.
1: But yeah, like you said, learning the art of planning my time and taking yeah. breaks. Like when I worked in an office and a corporate environment, I have to admit I was never really good at taking breaks because I would just sit at my desk or eat lunch at my desk because I'd say, oh, I don't feel like going out. But the truth was I just never wanted to break away. But I'm learning and working for myself. That is important and that... Yeah, structured break time is important. That's the challenge for me.
0: Yeah, And also, I think in the corporate world, you know at five, your day ends. So sometimes you're just like, I'm just going to like yeah. work through because I know at five, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But when working from home, I did have to create that break. It's funny you brought it up, like the dining room table, our eating table was also my work table. But that helped me in the way where it's like, okay, I need to clear off everything and put everything away so that we can now have dinner. And that was my way of shutting down. If I didn't put it away, I would just eat and come back.
1: Yeah, I do that.
0: Me personally, I can obsess and I just kind of like zone in and it just everything seems to fade and you don't realize how much time has passed. And that can sometimes be an issue. And I have a ton of alarms set because I need that buzzing to go off and be like okay you need to stop and it like pulls me out of my (laughs) focused zone
1: (laughs) so are you drawn more to extroverts or introverts generally speaking
2: i don't know sometimes i don't know how to deal with extroverts (laughs) i don't get them
0: but it's a hard question yeah Has there been anywhere you've traveled to that has inspired your work? Well,
2: when I travel, I go to a lot of museums. So probably
0: just traveling in general is good for anyone. Yeah, it is. And do you prefer traveling alone or in a group? I usually just travel with my partner. Okay.
2: I like going just the two of us. That's always nice.
1: Well, that's a good sign that you guys can travel together.
2: Yeah, we share a lot of interests. So we want to go to the same places. So that's good. Oh, that is good. That is good.
0: And I think that's kind of all of our questions. But this has been really awesome. And you've brought up some great points about art and art history. And it's been so much fun talking about it. And I'm really excited for your show. Thank
1: you. I echo Jenny, what she said. But do you have any questions for us?
0: I don't know. What would you like to be asked? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Do you have any secrets? I buried my secrets. I want to keep them buried.
1: (laughs) Yes. I turned the mic off for that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Yes. But thank you so much for joining us and to echo Jenny's sentiments, how you talked about size of art and how gender expression factors into that. That's good food for thought for me.
0: Great. Fantastic. Thank you for spending time with us. If you have questions or a story you'd like to share, email us at wallflowersinbloom.com. 2020 at gmail.com
1: you can find us on instagram and twitter at wallflowers underscore in underscore blue and search for us on facebook under wallflowers in blue
0: if you like this episode please subscribe rate and give us a review on itunes spotify stitcher and Castbox. until next time